0: Well, good morning and welcome. So glad you could join us this morning. It is a great morning to be together, and I'm just happy to be here. Uh, I want to welcome, again, anyone who might be new to us, visiting with us. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this in 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 a minute, but belong, believe, become. Uh, We believe that Christ invites us to a community in which belonging comes first. Time we come uh, to believe in Him, and He transforms our lives in remarkable ways that we can become the people we were created to be. So uh, as we get started this morning, I, I just want to celebrate, uh, uh, if, in case you weren't here last week, uh, we really had a beautiful opportunity uh, as Isidro, Patricia, and Angie were baptized this, uh, this last Sunday. So congratulations to you guys. Yeah so happy for you in this uh, just newness, the season of new life, new opportunity, beautiful things happening in their lives. So we just want to celebrate with you all. That was a beautiful experience and thanks for letting us be a part of it. It's cool to see God working in, uh, in your lives in remarkable ways. So uh, today we get to talk about the light and easy subject of judgment. Hey! Let's do it. Sound like fun, right? And this isn't uh the cosmic sort of justice, um uh judgment, not like the in kind of judgment, um but the judging other people. And fortunately, I know sitting in this room, I don't I'm not judgmental. I don't judge people. I know you don't. So we have a really easy No, I'm joking. We know that that just a judgmental attitude kind of run ram, runs rampant among us um and in us at times. Uh My first memory of feeling just really judged was in the fifth grade, and we had a project to do as a team. There was four of us paired up together, two gals, another guy, and myself, and we had a coloring project to do together. Yeah, the fifth grade coloring project. And I can really vividly remember the big poster that we were to color as a team, but it's not a good memory. Uh, it was a house, and, um, you know, you had your dining room, you had all the rooms and people in the house. And fortunately in our group, we had some really strong women leaders, um, uh, kind of like here in this church. And I love that. It's so good. And so they, um, they begin to assign uh, different tasks to me and, and to the other guy, and I was to color the table. Uh, that was my job. Now, by fifth grade, we had discovered that I was colorblind. Uh, we, we had we had come to realize that. So not only was it awkward having to look at all the colors on the crayon to figure out what was what, um, I just never really took up coloring. It wasn't one of my finer points in life. So um, that, that morning, sitting there, uh, I picked up the color crayon like you would a stirring stick, And I started using it like a stirring stick on that table. And I couldn't, like the shame and the experience when I was reprimanded by these two gals as to how I had ruined their entire project. I felt so judged and so little, and I've never colored again in my life. It changed me for life. So I mean, you know, as a kid, some of these some of these experiences and then and, and just the judgment and the condemnation and the like uh distaste for people, well it's almost comical, uh at least looking back on it. I have mostly healed from that experience. Uh so I can I can laugh about it now. But um, you know, when it comes up in our day-to-day lives, it's it's not quite the same, right? Like when it comes up in our workplaces and we're treated as substandard. Uh, f- often for reasons completely out of our our control. Um, as you know, uh, racism continues to be a, a difficult, a painful, and a sore subject in our nation uh, because it has not been dealt with in entirety. Uh, on on many other subjects and planes, we live in a world in which we judge quickly and we judge wrongly quite often. We're quick to make assumptions. We're quick to allow our eyes to change the way our minds think and process people and situations around us. And so Jesus speaks to it in Luke chapter 7. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7. Um, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaks, and today he'll speak on the subject of judgment. Let's dive in and see what he has to say. Luke, Ma, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. All right, Jesus, what in the world are you trying to say, right? It begins with this do not judge or you will be judged. And let's talk for just a moment about this word judgment. Because sometimes we might read this passage and we may come to a conclusion that Jesus says don't judge, therefore um, we kind of live this wishy-washy life where there's no right or wrong, where we would never challenge a friend or a brother in Christ. Is he saying that sort of thing? Uh, Not at all, uh, because throughout scripture we're told to be discerning. In fact, same chapter, verse 24, later on, Jesus is going to say, stop judging based on your, your sight alone but judge properly. So so what's Jesus talking about as he says don't judge or you will be judged. Well there's objective judgment that is calling something what it is, right? It's appropriate to know what something is, be it right or wrong, be it um, our, our understanding about Jesus and his sovereignty, right? It is okay to know things accurately and as they are, but then there's subjective judgment. And this is when the knowledge of something like that causes us to view people as less than ourselves because of what they do. So it's appropriate throughout Scripture we're told of sin, we're told of using discernment, and yet the acknowledgement, the realization of that in the lives of others, he said stop judging in a subjective way. Thinking them less than yourselves, right? And and before we get off the subject of discernment, he says these quirky little things in verse 6 about uh, giving to dogs what is sacred or throwing your pearls to pigs. He's saying in an idiom of the day, a figure of speech, he's saying use judgment in the ways you interact, in the things you do, in the things you see, in the ways that you think. He's saying use discernment. And then he goes on and he says, stop judging people subjectively. Stop assuming uh, they're less than you. In fact, if you look in, in Luke uh, chapter 6 where the same Sermon on the Mount uh, series is covered by a man named Luke, he adds a really significant word to this subject. He says, um, do not judge, do not condemn. You get how condemnation goes to that next level. It moves beyond uh, being appropriate and right with, with what is right and wrong or subjects of sin, but condemnation moves to the heart and the soul of a person, right? This person is less than me. This person is without hope, and Jesus says, do not judge. He says, or you'll be judged. And then he uses this um, illustration in the marketplace when um, when you're weighing out an amount of grain, right? You have on one side of the scale, the weight, the proper measure to know how much grain would be weighed out for this particular amount of money. But you know, you could shave a little off that stone, right? Take a little of the weight out of it, give people less, and rob them in that way. And he says, if you don't treat people fairly, if you continue to be judgmental in their lives, they will measure right back to you what you have measured to them. He says it will be a reciprocal thing in your life. If you choose a judgmental uh, 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 posture, it will come back to you. You know, it's tragic uh, seeing people and families and friends who grew up in households where they just never were good enough, you know, where that B on the report card seemed like the end of the world, where dad never took the time to say, good job, or I love you. And have you ever noticed in their lives as they grow up and move out of their homes how they view their parents? you know it it comes back around and and we begin to think critically about them in the same way we felt they 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 were critical towards us you see how judgment you see you see how these sorts of things breed and and they multiply and they transfer it's not a one directional thing but we receive back many of those things that we put out. So Jesus goes on in verse three and he and he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you have a plank coming out of yours? Now I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus is being funny here. We're gonna we're gonna meet Jesus in heaven someday and we'll just be rolling laughing. I am totally convinced he has an incredible sense of humor. He says this, you're worried about a tiny speck of sawdust in someone's eye and you have a gaping wound from your own head. Right, And he uses this illustration. Notice it has to do with sight again. And he's going to talk throughout the Sermon on the Mount on uh, about sight and our vision and how can it be distorted. And in this case, he says, When you spend all of your time looking at the faults and the sin of others, the specks of sawdust in their eyes, all the while you are blinded by and from the fact that you have a plank in your own. And then notice he goes on to say, so quit worrying about their problems. First, he says, go and take the plank out of your own eye. He says, deal with the sin and the problems in your life so that you can go and help your brother with the speck in his eye. He doesn't say that will be the wrong conclusion to the matter. Instead, he says, take your attention off of others and their problems and look inward." And here's the thing, this week begins the season of Lent. Now, um, many of us grew up in churches or or didn't grow up in churches um, and and have very little experience with Lent. So I want to share a little bit about what Lent is and why we're going to turn our attention to it for the next few weeks. I think it's a beautiful practice that invites us to something really remarkable. So Lent, um, it, it marks a 40-day period on the church calendar leading up to Easter. Lent is a season of preparation that heightens our expectation for Easter, for resurrection. It's a season in which we... Um, uh, consider ourselves in which we look inward. We recognize our sin. It's a season of confession and going before God. It's a season that uh, reflects Jesus and His posture and example in this life where for 40 days Jesus was in the desert and He, um, and He fasted. And, and so in, in a similar way, we choose during the season of Lent to look inward. So as, as Protestant believers, as people in Western Christendom, we might find ourselves as we start to talk about Lent, a season in which we fast or we give something up, we might find ourselves kind of caught juxtaposition in this interesting um between place where we believe on one hand we have freedom in Christ, right? He taught it Paul speaks over and over about it in the New Testament. We have been given freedom in Christ. And and, and we're not bound to the sacred observance, right, of, of things from the past. We People have been freed and, and invited to a life of freedom and joy. But here's the fascinating thing as a follower of Jesus today. Well, I have freedom. Quite often I live that freedom out for my own purposes and benefits and enjoyment. It is in those sacred places that I learn what feasting, what beautiful relationship with God truly is. So in Lent, one of the practices that's common in Lent and that we'll invite people to consider participating in with us, quite a number of families in the church that are going to, is, is this idea of fasting. Now fasting, denying yourself uh, something, is kind of a countercultural idea that doesn't sound really attractive. And let me say, if the purpose of Lent were simply to deny ourselves something, um, I think it would hold much less value. Than what is actually in store, the, the purpose of Lent. True in Lent, we choose to give something else, something up, but it is for the distinct purpose of going deeper with God. It's substituting secondary things in our lives, saying, I will put this secondary thing aside and put God. In its place, I will elevate God in my life. Lent is a season of prayer and contemplation, a season of quietness, a season in which we uh, mimic the ways Jesus lived into this deep relationship with his heavenly father as he fasted or as he got alone to pray in solitary places. So God desires for us this abundance in relationship, right? This feasting is a good illustration for it. Feasting just meaning an abundance of food. And God desires for us this kind of abundant relationship. But have you ever noticed how life gets so filled up with other things that we cease to or or lose some of our capacity to experience that abundance that God has for us. And I think Jesus demonstrates for us some of these pivotal things towards going deeper in that relationship with God, knowing more of that feast that he desires, and ironically, to know that feast of God, sometimes we need to fast. We need to pull away from the secondary things in life that are taking our time and our attention. So let me be really practical for just... Two minutes as we talk about what Lent looks like sometimes in people's lives. What in the world do I give up? What do I, what do I do with this? Um, in 2014, Barna Group did a study and they found that 16% of protestants and 63% of catholics uh, practiced lent about 17% of the population in the united states uh, practiced lent in some way shape or form many people gave up a food um some sort of some sort of food that they enjoyed for the 40 day period in fact they found that uh, 30% of people participating gave up chocolate that's a that's a pretty popular one at Lent, apparently. Um, 28% gave up meat. I'm surprised. That's a high number. Although, in some Protestant circles, um, people choose to do their fast like on a Friday. Every Friday, I'll give up meat, and I'll spend extra time in prayer. I do want to say that as we engage the season of Lent, it's an age-old practice. Thousands of years, the church has been celebrating and anticipating Easter in these ways. However, I do want to say we have a lot of freedom. Don't, don't miss the purpose of Lent for the forms, for the rigors that go into it. The purpose of Lent is that we say, Father God, I'm going to remove this one aspect of life, this one thing from my life, and I'm going to dedicate that time to you. And I think we'll find beautiful and remarkable things as we do that. So um, people gave up chocolate or meat or soda or alcohol were common ones in their study. I read an article from a gal named Christina Crook, and last year at this time, she wrote just a brilliant article about um, what she was going to give up for Lent and a recommendation for our culture. She says this, with 6.4 billion digital devices connected to the internet at the end of 2016, and by 2020, an estimated 20 billion devices connected to the internet. She says consensus is growing that tech's best feature may be its off switch, right? Like we are becoming consumed by technology and by these things in our lives, and uh, so so she said, um, this week, as we enter into Lent, it's a time for abstaining from things that disconnect us from the divine. And and it, she had some really interesting challenges for me in there, and, and I don't know what it would look like should I choose to give up technology. Maybe it's a period of day from 6 p.m. on. Uh, I am here for my family, and I spend time in prayer, and I disconnect from those things. I don't know what that would look like in my life or in, in yours, but I do want to th- throw just some ideas some practical things out there. Really, ultimately, the question isn't what food or if it needs to be electronics. The question becomes in our lives, what are secondary things in my life that, that tend to gain a little more priority than they need to? Maybe that's something God is inviting me to consider setting aside in this season for a period of time as I devote myself fully to him. So Lent, it offers us a season, a time of self-examination, a time when material things are put again in their proper secondary place in our lives. The basic concept of Lent is this time of prayer and fasting in memory of our Lord's passion, of Jesus' passion, his road to the cross, and his death. And then Lent, Lent culminates with uh, with Easter, with resurrection, and with feasting, right? That, that we celebrate again those freedoms and those opportunities, the season in, in which we've reflected inward. When we've quit looking at the specks of sawdust in our brother's eyes, this is the passage that, that we were on this week and ties perfectly into Lent, but instead start to look inward and say, what, what is God wanting to work on in me? in the season of life. That is what Lent invites us to, right? Um, you know, I missed a, a couple uh, images. Um, pull up Mother Teresa here. Um, oh, yeah, let's, yeah, okay. So let's just stop and I'll do either one, sorry. I forgot that I switched the order right before, okay. Um, so it, it says, judging a person does not define who they are. It defines who you are. It defines who I am. When I find that I'm living a judgmental life, uh, it's not defining or changing anything about the people around me. Simply myself, Mother Teresa says, if you judge people, you'll have no time to love them. I thought, uh, go ahead and leave it there for a second. We, we should reflect on that. I, I thought it was really interesting. Some, some people have practiced Lent as um, giving up something for the sake of others. And so some people will fast, you know, a, a meal, uh, a week and they'll spend that time knitting a, a, a blanket or a hat and making a donation to our NICU unit here in the area. Um, it could be giving up a meal and going as a family to serve at the food bank or something like that, right? But the idea of Lent is that we begin to live out um, the real rhythms of followers of Jesus, of the gospel. And Mother Teresa calls our attention to the love that, it is, that is at the heart of all that we are invited to. I love my cell phone, but it's not what I was called to do by the gospel, right? I love chocolate or whatever these things are, but but Jesus calls us to a different kind of love. So today... We invite, uh, we invite you to consider. Is Lent a season in which I want to set something aside to devote a little bit more to God? As I was reflecting on this this last week, I, um, spent a couple hours sitting by a little river, by a little stream, unplugged from everything and, uh, and, and watching the river flow. And in this quietness and this solitude, I found a beautiful opportunity to experience and to know God. I reflected on his beauty seen in, in the water rippling down this river. I felt his beauty and his love in the warm sun rays on a cold winter day. I could hear him in, in the babbling brook and in the birds that were chirping. Right, and and I reflected in this time where where I, I had s- stripped everything else away, all the secondary things and busyness in life, and just sat and listened and watched, and I reflected on how the things I can sense, the things I can see and know, fall short, so short, of the glory of God, of His true beauty and His true love, and I found myself in this time of prayer. God, teach me in my inmost being your beauty, and your love. See, this is the season of Lent where, where we set things aside and listen and focus and tune in to our Heavenly Father.